When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, from football to basketball we go. Casey Frank joins us on the program. Casey, good afternoon. Welcome. Oh, thanks very much for having me. My good man, um, during the week we had the draw or the um, yeah draw done for next year's National Basketball League. What did you make of it? What games in that early first week are you looking forward to the most? I see, I think it's the Champions Canterbury taking on the Nelson Giants. Yeah, that's a great way to start off the season. Uh, you know, to have that long of a championship drought and be able to celebrate that in front of the home fans for the first game of the season, I think is going to be pretty special. Uh, expecting a packed house for that one. And uh, what's going to be a, a slightly different Nelson team, I think, uh, they're, they're looking to import some new talent, uh, you know, targeting some tall black level players. So we'll see uh, if they're able to bring those to fruition. Uh, and if they are, that's going to be really interesting. And uh, I, I think, of course, uh, you know, the other one that's pretty historic is bringing uh, – professional basketball down to Toronga for the five uh, first men's basketball game. The women have been playing there for the last few years and have really uh, made strides in drawing crowds and uh, working with the the local fan base to build it up. And now that same ownership group is going to bring in the men's team. So that's going to be a a pretty spectacular evening as well. Yeah. Do you you believe we have the depth in this country for another team in the National Basketball League, that there's not a danger here of diluting the competition by spreading the talent too far and wide? I don't think so. I mean, we're talking about 12 uh, guaranteed jobs. You know, I think uh, rosters can go up to 18 for developmental players. You know, those last five guys are probably going to be young guys from in town, which is going to be great for that back end. But uh, uh, with three of those being imports, I think nine players are certainly going to be able to be supported by this league. Uh, There's a lot of players in college right now that have been returning. Uh, James Moore was uh, announced today, you know, coming from a professional career that just got kicked off in Belgium. West, uh, went to Westlake prior to that, uh, heading over to Colorado State for three years. And, you know, it's nice to see players like that being able to come home and get contracts right away and start their professional careers and, you know, build on what they're doing in other parts of the world as well. I want you to explain the new initiative, which is the transfer window that they're bringing in, what I think mid-season for around about, what, 60-odd hours or so. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty exciting initiative. Uh, it's something... Uh, that's going to enable teams in the middle of the season to possibly build those rosters a little bit differently, uh, to look at how to build their teams differently. Uh, and, you know, from my point of view as an ex-player, I think what, what I'll, I'm most excited about is, you know, every once in a while a player gets in a bad situation or perhaps is stuck, uh, unable to develop behind another player. And if those opportunities do arise, maybe they can go to some place where their games will be better developed. And, uh, you know, obviously it's emulating the, the game in the United States where there's a lot of uh, trade season talk and there's a lot of trades that happen. We don't expect that level of activity. But uh, I think if we can stir some conversations, stir some interest in the game, and, and at the same time uh, give, give a couple teams better better talent for themselves or better positions for the players and uh, teams, I think that would uh, be a win all around. I'm just trying to get some clarity here. So I'd imagine the players are all contracted. So for them to transfer would need to be a mutual understanding between both clubs for them to basically nullify those existing contracts. Yeah, the, the, there's uh, conditions that the contracts will have to be to the exact same stipulations uh, 
the players themselves have to agree to the trade. So if they don't agree to what uh, any of the conditions are on the new contractual agreement, they don't have to get out. They are not being forced to leave that contract. Now, does that mean they may or may not play as much as they'd like to in the situation they are? That uh, We'll have to wait and see. But uh, the, all the contractual obligations will have to be agreed to by that player. So I think uh, in that way, we should be able to guarantee that it's in the best interest of the players and the teams doing it will, will know that what they're getting into as well. Okay, let's talk about the Breakers. Um, four wins, seven losses. Not the start that we were hoping for, but a team that has been plagued by injuries. Can we just put the poor start down to injuries? Or are there greater greater forces at play here? Well, I, I certainly think if you're losing two uh, starter quality players, two players who are probably uh, the Breakers were hoping going to be all league players this year, uh, that, that's going to put a dent in any team, especially one uh, that, to be honest, is, as you know, as focused talent-wise in its budget, uh, you know, it, it didn't expect some of the guys on the other bench to have to play that much. So when you lose two guys who are really uh, carrying a lot of that load offensively and changing things up, it does take some time. Uh, uh, I think that and the trip to the United States, those two things, I think, really affect the things. But at the end of the day, you've got to win with what you got. And I think the Breakers have shown that they've got the offensive talent, without a doubt, to play with anybody in the league. And they they got back to that form against Adelaide. Now the question is, uh, against a really good offensive team to, in the southeast Melbourne Phoenix, will they be able to match that same level defensively that they found against the 36ers earlier this week in Christchurch? I want to ask you this, Casey, because they say in the NRL that you don't win the NRL in the month of March, April, May, June. You sort of start to win it in the months of sort of August, September. When do the breakers need to be really hitting their straps? When, they, when do they need to be going on that run and starting to show their true potential? You know, I think all teams who have championship aspirations hope to be hitting that stride, maybe a, a nice little bump early, and then later in the season finding, a, again, sort of a, a roller coaster that rises and falls a little bit and can build again towards the end of the season so you're playing your best. Uh, the, the Breakers, however, haven't been able to put themselves in that position, So they, or, or you, know, you start kind of 500 and can build later. Uh, they, they've put themselves in the spot that they're going to have to hit that stride now. They're going to have to start stringing wins together. They're going to have to, you know, in teams that I've been in the past where you lose those games, you have to start treating everything like a playoff game a little bit early. Mm. Uh, you get that that we have to win attitude. You come into each one, and you have to test yourself under that pressure. And uh, you know, if you are able to withstand that, uh, that does build dividends for the end of the season when you maybe have been in that situation longer than some other teams. But uh, you just got to get those wins early. Otherwise, it doesn't really matter. Mm. Any other news, anything else on your mind that you want to share with our listeners that I might not be aware of, but is certainly out well, there? I, you know, I am interested in see what happens with uh, Modi Moore. He's been asked to explain his comments to the refs after Thursday night's win. Yep. Uh, you know, him getting kicked out of the game at halftime, two technicals, and I haven't heard the entirety of the audio from what I did hear. You know, he was certainly very vocal and uh, uh, emotive about what he was saying, but he seemed to be respectful of a little shouty. Now, uh, it, once the entire audio is digested by the league and both sides, uh, the, the, the officials, I don't know who's been speaking to that or, or who Modi has to answer to to explain those comments, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if a suspension comes out of that, especially right on the heels of the CEO of the league saying that they were going to institute a no-tolerance policy for abusive reps. So if they deem this abuse, uh, I mean, what does no-tolerance mean and what's going to come out of that? Yeah. And, and you don't necessarily mind what comes out of it as long as they're consistent from team to team and coach to coach. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, if this is what the league's decided, and 
I've I've seen Met fans and I've seen on message boards that people aren't uh, really enamored with the way some of the coaches and some of the players have been speaking to the officials this year. The league stated can stand, and if this is the point going forward, and this is what they're saying, if if this is the warning shot, a coach got kicked out and no suspension, that's one thing. If he gets suspended, that's another, and that that will really uh, indicate what no tolerance means going forward. Mm. What have you made generally of the officiating um, in the competition? It's a tough job, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Like, uh, it's a thankless job too, isn't it? I mean, there's still a level of interpretation, yeah. and we only tend to see things through our, our team's eyes, don't we? We don't tend to look at things a little bit more holistically, and maybe that the rubber, the green, also at times went against the opposition. Uh, absolutely, and, and you know, sometimes as a player, you feel things are going against you, and, and sometimes they do because it's humans, and they're, they're looking at it. And, and as much as they're doing their best to get things right. Uh, they get involved in the emotions as well. So when somebody's yelling at somebody, maybe they take that personally and then goals do go against you. Mm. Now, uh, that, does that mean that it's uh, necessarily uh, – not, not, obviously that's not 100% correct, but it's the world. And so, so if uh, you're going to continue to go at these officials that way, you could, you could probably expect things to not go your way. Now, some players don't care, some coaches don't care, some uh, others don't understand how to work a little bit more. Mm. But, but uh, you know, in some ways it's part of the game, and, and if the NBL doesn't want that kind of reaction to the refs, the refs are going to have to deal with it. And, and as far as the calls go, you know, uh, so, some officials are better than others, just like some players are better than others, and some days you have good days and some days you have bad ones. And uh, as a player, you just want everything to be as consistent as possible. And, and when, when okay, if it is an occasional that doesn't go your way and you know it's wrong, that's one thing. It's when it happens again and again, where it starts to get a little frustrating. just want to ask you this, Casey, before we do let you go. What have you made of this in-season tournament that the NBA are running? Um, is there need for it? Do they need to have some sort of, um, I don't know, midweek or mid-season competition to try and replicate perhaps what English Premier League football or European football does? I mean, can't we just have the NBA champion? Do we need to have other trophies up for grabs? You know, I think it really is uh, about the NBA trying to become a year-round sport. Uh, nor, I think traditionally in the United States, the NBA was always something that sort of felt like it started on Christmas Day. Uh, that, they, they used to t- take over that day. There'd be three or three to five games on that day, and that's when everyone sort of started paying attention. Well, but but the season starts in October, and, and they want people paying attention. And they they've heard the noise about the, some fans think there's too many games, the players aren't playing everything. But what they've done is, is found a way to have us talking about the games early in the season, and we've seen some great basketball. Uh, you know, that game between Golden State and Sacramento uh, at that playoff level intensity with teams really wanting to play and win, putting their all into it, you don't see that very often uh, at this stage in the season. You know, it's a long year, and to give guys something a little bit more to care about, you know, uh, I've heard the talk about, well, you know, the guys who make $50 million a year don't care about $500,000 extra, but they do care about getting that to the last guy on the bench because they play with these guys and they want to help them out, and everybody wants to win because if it's worth playing, it's worth winning and add a little bit, bit of extra spice. And I wouldn't be surprised to see it sold off as its own entity moving forward to one of the big streamers, either Netflix or Apple, uh, because it, that would certainly be a way for them to uh, move the way that sports are into a global way on the streaming uh, platforms. Yeah, no, look, it's a really good point you make. I mean, I, I get a little bit, you know, you get into the regular season of baseball and you suddenly go, well, look, really, there's no jeopardy on this game. It's just another one of the next 80 coming up. And my interest is really only once we sort of get to the playoff end. So I think it's a good point you make. It brings a bit of spice. It brings a little bit more jeopardy into it and brings that higher level of intensity. And some of these games just have greater meaning. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's why I think uh, everybody loves playoff basketball when they see it because the players are pushing themselves to such a degree. 
and that, that's a hard level to maintain for an 82-game regular season. But it is something that I think uh, in the last few weeks we've shown they can find at an earlier part in the season and, and reach for a few more games. And I think the best is yet to come. You know, this uh, quarterfinals, semifinals, and, and finals in Las Vegas that are coming up at the Sphere is going to be an event. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. I'm sure it's going to be amazing to be on the ground. There's going to be a who's who of uh, famous people and, and the best uh, basketball in the world, I guess, outside of the NBA playoffs. Casey Frank, as always, privilege and a pleasure to have you on the program this afternoon. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Talk soon.